0: Hello, I'm Craig Harper, the Executive Director for the Professional Association of Georgia Educators. And today we're going to talk to some educators from Dalton Public Schools in Northwest Georgia. And Paige recently put out a survey that more than 15,000 educators responded to. And there were four districts that teachers um, identified in their responses that they felt their districts were doing a pretty good job with distance learning uh, with their students and in their district. So I happen to know the Dalton folks since I worked there for quite a few years, and I thought I'd reach out to them and have them share their experiences with us. So I'm joined today by Nick Sun, who's our director of school support and is over instructional technology in Dalton. Hey,
1: everybody. How are you doing?
0: Thanks for joining us, Nick. And we also have Lacey Cokerel, who is a science teacher at Dalton High School.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: And Jasmine Hernandez, who is a fifth grade teacher at Brookwood School, which is a K-5 elementary school.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: All right. Thank you again for joining me. Before we get into a lot of specifics, just Lacey and Jasmine, um, talk to us in broad terms about how distance learning is going for you and your students. Lacey?
2: For the most part, it's going okay. It's, you know, it's kind of a timeline. When they first announced and we kind of got wind of that we would have distance learning, it was like, okay, we can do this. Um, You know, we've been using these tools for a while. And then after we kind of settled in, it kind of got real, you know, we haven't seen each other in a while and we kind of shift the way we do things a little bit. So it's it's day by day, definitely. Um, But for the most part, it's been okay.
0: Great. How about you for you, Jasmine, at the elementary level?
2: it
3: is going well for us at the elementary level um the students are are still very engaged in the work um it is different for them so i think that helps and it allows them to be a little engaged Um, we're able to communicate with them uh through video conferences and emails and texts so every day almost like since the minute i wake up until the minute i go to sleep they're um, reaching out to me asking me questions so um, we're trying to keep that connection still going, even though we're not together.
0: So the, the transition from classroom to home-based instruction was pretty quick for, for everybody, and, and it was for you all as well. So talk to us a little bit about what that was like for you, not just the technology part of it, the fact that you're using online learning tools, but just for you as an individual, how did you feel about that? Were you confident that it was going to work well? You were prepared, or were you anxious and worried about how it was going to go? Lacey?
2: It was a lot of different emotions. I, On one side, I felt prepared because we have so much support with Nick and people at our school um, and so many tools to use. But on the other side, you know, there's always this kind of anxious feeling about are the kids going to do it? Are they going to want to, you know, log in and talk to me? <laughs> um, so and how is this going to work? You know, what if I have kids that don't do anything? So. I felt prepared, but at first it was just kind of, what is this going to be like?
0: (laughs) So you all had done some distance learning before, but on a limited basis as just part of your preparation. We're going to get into a lot more detail about that later, but you at least had had some experience with it.
2: Yes. I mean, everything that I've been able to utilize as far as um, online tools or uh, different apps through Canvas, we have done together before which was very helpful because the only thing the kids have that is new would be maybe using Zoom. Everything else they had experience doing.
0: Okay, Jasmine, how about for you?
3: The same. I mean, the feelings were all over the place. We were anxious, um, not knowing how long we were going to be doing this distance learning Um not, I mean, not knowing how well the kids were going to respond, um, if they were going to have internet access, if they were going to have uh, what was needed for them to complete um, the learning. But um, as far as being pre- prepared, I feel like um, what um, Lacey said, we were very ready. Uh, Nick and um, his team do great um, getting the courses set up on Canvas for when we have um inclement weather so um the kids my kids were able to do that before uh, I think two days we were out and so they were able to see the platform work with it and know what was expected of them so that helped um but yes we were um we were anxious we were a little nervous
0: well, there had been some hope we were going to be able to get back into schools sometime in April, about by now or maybe another week from now, and then, then we all found out that that wasn't going to happen this year. So did that change your mindset or perspective on how things were going to go, Jasmine?
3: Yes, absolutely it did. Um, like you said, we were we were hoping to be back in the classroom, if not um, at the latest in May and finish the year with them. And then when we found out that we were not doing it, that definitely changes Changes our mindset as teachers and changed the mindset of the students because a lot of them felt like, okay, well, we're done for the year; we don't have to go back. So, getting them back into the routine of, hey, we're still learning, even though we're not together, and getting them to to get out of that mindset of, hey, we're done for the year, and getting them back to continue to work, it it was it was difficult. But we, thanks to all the tools, we were able to. we're, We're still engaged right now, so we're we're good.
0: Good. And uh, Lacey, you mentioned, you know, one of the concerns was, are the kids going to do the work? Are they going to be engaged in this? Our survey respondents have indicated there has been quite a bit of difficulty with that. So how, how, what's been the experience for you all?
2: Like we said before, originally, this was only going to last two weeks. And so at first, you know, in, in conversations with our kids, you know they were kind of like treating it like a snow day like they were out and for the first 2 weeks we were like we can do this you know we we the first week not a lot of participation on my end the next week we had a little bit more and after those 2 weeks i've really had a lot of kids that i've reached out to and they've reached out to me and i think they miss us <laughs> which is i mean i have high schoolers so that's not always the feeling you get but being able to talk to them and communicate has gotten a lot more comfortable with them since we've announced that it's gone through into the school. The first two weeks, they were just treated it like it was temporary and, oh, I'll see you again. But now they really have valued the Zoom sessions and the, I'm getting a lot of emails, just conversations. Now, they're like we said before, they're in different times of the days because all of our kids have different challenges. But like I said, they they, they miss
0: us. <laughs> you mentioned another thing in those remarks about you're getting these questions and responses from people throughout the day. And that was another survey response we got that, uh, that the work day has really changed to just kind of an all-hours thing because not only are the students asking questions kind of when they're doing the work, uh, but also when parents get home from work, if they're still working or when they have a chance. So it's going much later into the evening. Has that been your experience as well?
2: Yes. And... and- a lot of my colleagues that I talked to, it took a lot for us to get used to because the first week we felt like we were on call the whole day. And I think we've gotten better. So, for example, I have high schoolers and a lot of my students are taking care of their siblings right now or maybe working. So their hours have shifted, too. I had one student who reached out to me because he couldn't do the Zoom meetings throughout the day because his siblings were using the Wi-Fi. So his time to use the Wi-Fi was kind of in the evenings. So for me, my, my daily hours have kind of changed too. I kind of anticipate when I'm gonna get the most questions. And right now it's actually in the evening. So it's kind of shifted um, from a normal school day.
0: And Jasmine, how about for you?
3: The same, I have um, a student that logs in at 4 a.m. in the morning. I think he changed his routine schedule completely. And so I'll be, I will be getting emails around five o'clock. Hey, I don't know if I did this math assignment right, or, hey, I don't know how to submit this. So, of course, as soon as I see it or hear it, I try to respond, trying to catch him up. Um, One day I did have to wake him up around two o'clock, just getting um, to him to try to get him to, to complete an assignment that he was having questions about, but. It is. I mean, our, our schedule has completely changed. I think that with a, I mean, a teaching job, it's, you always have to be very flexible, but this is definitely the most flexible we have all have to be because we're answering calls and texts all day long
0: parents also have been put in this role now of being a teacher at home that they didn't expect to be. So you're not only supporting your students, but you're supporting your parents. What's that been like and how much more interaction are you having with those parents that you might not have had before? Jasmine?
3: Oh yes, absolutely. We, um, we are constantly texting and calling parents and they're calling me, Hey, I'm helping them do this right. Hey, can you have a zoom meeting with us today and explain what we're supposed to be doing for this assignment? they send me pictures hey is he doing this right is, is she doing this right They're they're always uh, the communication between parents uh and uh, and us and well and myself it has really grown i would, I would say probably doubled What it used to be before, because they would send them. I mean, I had a parent the other day that said, I would just put them on the bus and send them to school. And I didn't know anything until he got home. And now I'm having to text you in the middle of the day or call you in the middle of the day, asking you, hey, what are you wanting him to do here? What, what does he need? What does she need to do here? What is, what is this? How do I do this? Where do I get information? they're trying and they they're doing a great job supporting us teachers and supporting their their children at home
0: there's probably going to be a whole lot of appreciation going both ways going forward parents understanding a little bit better what you all are doing in the classroom with not just one or two children but with entire classes of children um, what what kind of issues have come up that have been challenging in um, particular Some of our respondents talked about second language learners and special education students and some of the differentiation or IEP uh, goals that they may have. And so what's that been like for those students that may have additional needs beyond a traditional student? Lacey?
2: It's, It's been really difficult for them because I have ESS students and they, for the most part, they just want you there they want to ha- they want to ask questions. They want to make sure they're doing right. They want that reassurance for my sp- particular students. And I have a couple of students who in all honestly like to do their work with me there. <laughs> so they like Zoom a lot. I have a student who probably zooms me almost every day and he really doesn't need me. <laughs> He's doing it fine, but just that reassurance puts him at ease. And You know, my co-teacher has been great. He's reached out to those particular students every day, and we're in constant communication because, you know, they just don't have that support that they need. So we're trying our best to provide that.
0: So you you bring up a really interesting point when you do have special needs students or others who have additional supports, it does usually involve a coworker who's also co-designing work or at least understanding what you're doing. So this is a completely different experience. How does that, how does that work for you all interacting with your colleagues to make sure that instruction still happens for those students?
2: So when I- well, really, we, when I'm designing a lesson, he's right there with me. And the biggest thing is I, I have to ask him, does this make sense? <laughs> like, is this too much? Because the biggest thing for us is we don't get to see the process of them completing the assignment. We don't to, we don't get to gauge how they are receiving the work or the activity or whatever. So he and I kind of work together. We talk every day. He'll say, hey, I talked to so-and-so he's doing fine or so-and-so had a question and I talked to him through it. He's, he's been great because he also does those zoom meetings um, and works with those kids. But the biggest part between us is when we design the lessons, it's just hard to see, to gauge is this appropriate or is this okay?
0: (laughs) So it takes a lot more effort. Yes. Especially with those students to collaborate with other people, make sure that that's happening. Jasmine, how about, how about your experience?
3: Um, It's very similar. Um, People don't understand that when we're in the classroom, we repeat our instructions or, or what we want the kids a lot and we model for them. I mean, that's that's the hardest thing that I've noticed. The kids are used to us teachers modeling for them the expectations and us repeating the directions to them several times and sometimes even us doing one on one work with them. So for our students with learning disabilities or for English language learners, that is really hard for them to be doing the distance learning. Um, We are very blessed that we have great support teachers. Like uh, Lacey said, we have great ESOL teachers and special ed teachers that have reached out to the students. I am in a very different situation because I am blessed to be able to speak the Spanish that my students speak at home, my English language learners, and I'm able to communicate with those parents in their own language. And I'm able to explain to the parents what the expectations of the distance learning is and how the students can access the um, assignments when they need me to. And I've been doing that for my team, for my fifth grade team too. I've been calling their students that are in need of that. But um, we do have other students that don't speak Spanish. And so, um, they speak another language, and those students we have are ESOL teachers that are trying to communicate with them in their language and explain to them. And like I said, it is it makes it really hard for those students that need the extra support.
0: What you're describing, or at least what I'm hearing, is that it's taking a lot of individual engagement with students and whoever's supporting them at home well beyond what you would typically need to do when you're doing whole group instruction. So it's really changed the nature of even probably the relationship that you've got with those students as you're working through instruction. Is that your experience? And you want to expand on that at all?
2: Yes. For me, I have 112 students. So to reach individually each of those is just daunting. (laughs) But I've kind of had to, not all of them, some of them, have been fine but a lot of them they need that individual instruction so i've kind of you know I, I make videos of myself working the problems but again there's no chance to ask questions so yes you have to work individually it's changed completely like she said we can't model in front of a whole group or even a small group it's really one on one unless we have a small group that gets on the same t- gets on zoom at the same time But again, going back to the schedules, (laughs) it's not always doable.
0: So I I was going to ask, have you all, it would be more likely that you would have tried this, Jasmine, but have you tried to get your entire class on a single Zoom call so that you can all interact? Or has that been just too much to try to work out?
3: I have. We have a scheduled Zoom meeting every Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Today we moved it a little... um, later in case this ran a little longer, but we do, we have a class Zoom meeting scheduled for one o'clock every Wednesday where all of us try to get in there and just see each other and talk to each other it's it's not a, about the work it's more about like our social time where where we get to see uh, what are you doing during the week they share their pets they share their teddy bears they share i mean they share all kinds of things in, during this meeting and but not all of them get to log in i've the most i've had is 11 at a time and i have 25 so it is it's very it's very difficult to get all of them in the meeting at the same time so it is more one on one
0: so what, what have been the difficulties with connectivity? Because we hear a lot about that, too, that there are just a lot of families that don't have Wi-Fi connectivity or don't have a, a computer or a device at home that the kids can do, even though they may have a smartphone. What have you found about the percentage of students that can actually interact with you on an ongoing basis? Is it most of your class or is it fewer? Uh, Jasmine?
3: For me, it's most of my class. Most uh, most of, um, Every one of my students has um, internet. Thank, uh, thankfully, they... They have their computer. I mean, in fifth grade, every student takes their device home. So they all have their computers. They all have internet. Um, it's mainly the schedule. Um, some students um, don't do the work until their parents are home from work, making them do it. Some of them, like um, Lacey said, they have to watch siblings um, during the day, or some of them are sleeping right now. I mean, some of them are straight honest and they're like, hey, I don't wake up until afternoon. So uh, don't, don't, assign anything in the morning because I'm not going to be there. So that's why our our Zoom meeting is in the afternoon because some of them are still asleep.
0: Lacey, how about you?
2: Like she said, uh, all of my students have have been able to get on Canvas or get online, have had access to Wi-Fi at some point or another. I don't know specifics. It seems like some of them might be spotty. I don't know for sure. But like she said, I don't, think connectivity is the issue, but there's been a lot of work put into that, I think. It's just schedules.
0: And then Jasmine, you're not only juggling your work and what you're trying to do with your students, but you've got a household of people that also you're trying to manage and take care of. So what's that like for you? And what additional challenges does it present?
3: Yes, sir. You're right. I do have three kids. I have a kid in pre-K, a kid in third grade, and a kid in eighth grade, and all of them are constantly needing something. Uh, my third grader, hey, mom, how do I upload this? At the same time, I'm trying to have a Zoom meeting or at the same time, I'm trying to reply to a text message. My eighth grader um, doesn't want to do the work, so I have to push her. My pre ker needs constantly, hey, how can I do this? How, well, I need to play. I want to do this. He, he thinks that I'm here to spend time with him and not to be working. So it, it's been a challenge for the most part, I have to like lock myself in the room and When I'm having to work, like on those two meetings, they know they go out and play. But it's difficult being a parent and working at the same time.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people are really struggling to juggle all of that. And especially when your day now seems to be pretty much all waking hours are devoted in some way to work while also trying to take care of some other things. So appreciate the work that you all are, are doing to make sure that happens. What do you think, for you all in Dalton, you, you have had a, a pretty good experience. Most of your kids, or if not all of your kids, can get online. You've had a lot of tools that prepared you for this. You've, um, you've practiced some of these skills and have built capacity over time. So what, what, what are the things that you think have been most critical for you all to be able to move into this distant, ongoing distance learning experience and, and feel like you're being successful? Lacey?
2: I mean, I think the biggest thing is the people we have so many people in Nick's crew, his technology crew, that are on standby, that are happy to help in any way they can. Um, I think the other biggest thing is is we've been doing this for, we've been one-to-one for a while. It's something that's been a part of our regular day because every kid has a laptop and having those tools to use in the classroom, It's we've had a lot of experience. So this was not exactly just a new page turned over. It was something that we could just change that we'd already been doing.
0: And people might expect the high school students have been doing this for a while, but, but Jasmine, even at the elementary school, you all have been doing online learning for a while. It's just part of your regular experience.
3: With me having the middle schooler, I knew how important Canvas was for, for the middle school. I saw that and I started using it with my fifth graders, getting them ready. For uh, middle school, I think as early as September, we started using Canvas and we were working in there almost every single day just to get them ready for, for like I said, the middle school, which has helped tremendously now with the distant learning because my students knew how to log into Canvas, how to submit assignments, how to read the messages that I send them So it it has been great, and we are blessed with everything we have in our community, too, as far as the connectivity with the Internet, Uh, Nick's team, our coaches, everyone. I mean, we're a great Dalton family uh, working together from where we are, and I think that has really helped us uh, be where we are right now and not have as many issues as the other districts have.
0: It seems to me one of the important steps in this process is the fact that you aren't having to convert your lessons to – some kind of digital content like right away because you all as just part of your daily ongoing practice throughout the year are using the learning management system and digital content as part of your instruction. Is that, is that accurate Lacey?
2: Yes. And Jasmine mentioned Canvas. And I think that's the biggest plus for what we do is that it, everything we use is streamlined or integrated through Canvas. Um, From top to bottom, you know, she teaches fifth grade and they're already they already know how to use it. So by the time they get to me, they're experts and all of those other tools are in Canvas. So it's we're really kind of all on the same page as far as what we use for the most part because of the work Nick and his team have done um, for a while now.
0: And Canvas is a learning management system that Dalton adopted, uh, I want to think it's five or six years ago, at least. Okay. Nick's telling me nine years ago that they adopted that. I knew it'd been a little while, but that's even more than I thought it had been. What has been the most challenging part of distance learning for you all as educators? Uh, Jasmine?
3: Oh, not being with the students for sure. I mean, not seeing their, their sweet faces every day and getting their hugs and their good morning, the, the interaction, the interaction with them, the interaction with their peers, it has definitely been the the, cha- the challenging part. Lacey?
2: Yes. The biggest thing is not being around my kids and not getting to see, like I said earlier, th- we all got into this because we love to see a kid learn in the process of that. And it's, it's just, it's really hard not to be able to see that and not to be able to interact with them and see how they learn and see how they respond to you. I don't get a lot of Good morning hugs. But at the same time, I just miss being around them.
0: And we're going to come back to a question similar to that and a little bit of other things that you might be missing about not being at school because nobody expected to be out this long. And so just a lot of things start to kind of hit you, especially in the springtime with all the activities that typically happen during that time of the school year. So, Nick, we want to come around to you now a little bit. You've been patiently listening uh, as uh, Lacey and Jasmine respond to these questions. So Dalton Public Schools has had a vision for for digital learning, not necessarily ongoing distance learning, but digital learning for quite some time. So if you would talk about what that vision has been and did it include consideration for long term closures like a, a pandemic or some other crisis?
1: One of the things that we've we've tried to envision for our school or for our system is basically a blended learning experience within the classroom, and you can hear from Jasmine's comments and Lacey's comments that you know we're implemented that digital learning uh, within the classroom. When we set our vision, we wanted to do that. We wanted to use tools that were was a variety of tools um, because we feel like when when kids graduate or go to work or, you know, whatever they decide to do, there's going to be so many different platforms out there. Talking with our technology director, Stuart Davis, we when we were building our plan, we really felt that we're going to have a variety of tools and our kids are going to learn Office 365. They're going to learn G Suite. They're going to learn iOS with Mac and Apple. They're going to learn all those things so that whenever they choose to to go or, or to be, they're not gonna be behind someone else um, fighting for that same job because of uh, the skills. So that was really important. And then blending it and going ahead and having it in the classroom was really important. And so in preparation to, when you talk about like a pandemic or a long-term outage or even weather days, we wanted to get to a point to where learning never stopped. We did not want to be confined to our school campuses our classrooms or anything like that where they can learn at home. They can learn with their parents at home. And we wanted to provide the tools for that. So that was the vision the whole time. When a pandemic or a crisis or even a weather day comes up, we wanted to uh, really, really focus in on not interrupting as much as we could uh, the school day. However, you know, with that in mind, we always said nothing will be able to replace the face-to-face interaction with a teacher. No tool, no digital tool will ever be able to replace that teacher but we were going to provide tools that would enhance that teaching of, uh, of content and uh, engagement of the students, whether they were in the classroom or out.
0: So you mentioned a lot of tools and capacity building for students around technology, but you're not doing a lot of individual technology classes. That's not something that happens in the regular school day is an independent learning activity. So how have you integrated that with teachers so that students kind of just learn that as part of their experience in in school?
1: Well, it's really kind of triangular in how, how we look at things. Um, it all starts with obviously the actual technology equipment. You know, providing every teacher has a laptop. We're trying to get every parapro a laptop. You know, we want the technology to be visible. We're one to one, basically, in second grade through twelfth grade, and our our, our pre K and first graders have access to devices in schools. The technology side being able. Being able to do that and committing to that has helped tremendously. Well, then there's the instructional technology side. And so a few years ago, we decided we need a team. And so we hired uh, three wonderful ladies and, and we couldn't be doing what we're doing now without them to be able to go into the classrooms, to have experiences in the classrooms with teachers, with students, to show them how much tools can enhance the content, the teaching, to buy time for teachers—you know—that might be doing something that's taken them a lot of time. With with just a simple visual or or showing them to do something, has saved them so much time they can really focus on the kids. And that that was the goal. And so, you know, I always I say Kelly, Rachel, Janet, Kelly, Rachel, Janet—they've um, just been phenomenal in what they're able to do. And they have to also maintain all the subscriptions and and answer questions and things like that. So that was a huge commitment and. In that, they've really helped our media specialists turn from just traditional media specialists to instructional technology resources. That's been a huge help because, you know, you have three people for an entire district. Sometimes they can't get the stuff, but we have 11 to 14 media specialists now that can handle questions, can, can begin to help in specific areas that um, allow them to, teachers to feel comfortable to see a face to help them and get to them more quickly. So it's been a really good. And then finally, you know, our content with our coaches and our teachers be able to utilize content in a digital format and provide it to kids that's meaningful and engaging. So um, it's been a process.
0: So let me, let me go back to Lacey and Jasmine for just a second. So you all had to learn these tools. You had to start to integrate it into your classrooms. That doesn't happen by accident. So uh, it's, been, it's been a little while for you all to have gotten adapted to this, which is why this is as successful as it is for you right now. Did you all embrace this when it first started happening in your school and classroom? What was the learning curve like for you, and were you resistant? Or did you jump on it right away and say, I need to do this for, for myself and my kids? Lacey?
2: Um, I, I was an embracer. I was. And I think that's because when I started my career, I was around other people who embraced it. There was a time where I felt like there were too many, too many new tools, but for the most part, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy going, trying new things with my kids and not all of it's great (laughs) for the most part it is. But, you know, I think I, I was definitely an embracer. It wasn't perfect, but I like to use new things. I like to mix it up.
0: So you have to be willing to fail a little bit while you're also having success to really adapt to this and, and do it a new way. Yes. Jasmine, what was your experience?
3: I want to say I was the same. I was an embracer too. Um, I jump in and I started asking questions. The ladies that, that Nick mentioned have been great. They have come to my classroom to show me one-on-one. They have come to my classroom to show the kids while um, they're showing me at the same time all these different tools that we have, Nick has a great team of, of people that have exposed us teachers to the different tools that we have available as a district. We have a, a day, a professional learning day, where they expose, they have all these tools for us, and we get to pick and go and do and and see and try out. And I think that has really helped me as a teacher. Just jump in there and, and use them with the students and see that how beneficial they are for the, for the kids.
0: So it's been beneficial to you all and very helpful to have kind of a district plan and an implementation process and some guidance on which things to use and how to use them and then some learning to get comfortable with it. Do you want to
2: expand on that at all, Lacey? Yes. The biggest thing is the, the people around me who I work with are also embracers and they're happy to share and happy to ask. This has been several years. The first year, you know, it took some took some getting used to because not everybody is, okay, let's do it. But I think the more you talk with people and the more you get to network and hear what they do, like the day that Jasmine mentioned where we get to learn about new stuff, when you hear it from people who are in the same position as you, it makes it a little bit easier to see yourself doing it.
0: Nick, if you would, share with us the timeline and process to put Dalton where it is now with digital learning because it has been over a a series of years and there were some important milestones that happened in the progress that you've made. Talk to us through that.
1: Right. Um, As uh, it's been mentioned about one-to-one, it really started with um, what was funny is that we had tools before one-to-one and that we were using. And I remember um, showing Nearpod, which is a tool that we use in a classroom, and I remember bringing a few iPads in or some laptops, I, I can't remember. But I remember the the next week in my mailbox, I had a stack of 30 letters from students saying, we want devices, we want iPads. And they had drawings and stuff like that. And like, my job is to, uh, you know, I work for the students. So um, we took this to our design resources team, which uh, Lacey has been a part of for several years and Jasmine is now part of and really came up with a one-to-one plan. And that plan means a refresh of devices. So students get devices and they get a refresh third, sixth, and ninth grade. We were able to go to the board and we have a great uh, director of technology, Stuart Davis. Uh, and he has just you know blossomed in understanding uh, instruction and what the needs are of students. So once we really went into the one-to-one to our board, they made that commitment. We kind of gave them the instructional technology vision, what all we could do and what students and teachers were asking for. And they committed to that. And then, again, I mentioned earlier about the instructional text being added. The timeline really started sinking in for distance learning when uh, I was challenged by then time Dr. Uh, Rick Fromm looked at me and says, I need a solution for weather days. We can't keep adding days at the end of the year. And so we took that and really started our first reiteration of digital learning that we've had for about two and a half years in our choice boards for elementary, pre-K elementary, and then secondary, like Lacey said, they were kind of already doing, they had their own courses and kids stayed in it. And so really that that helped for secondary, but along the lines, we had always talked about well, what what does that secondary look like in elementary? and. Again, going back to the design resources team, you know, we talked about this is how we're going to really push Canvas and more tools into elementary and let these teachers have their own courses. Well, with the pandemic going on, that, that schedule pushed up really, really drastically, but because we had pockets of elementary teachers and media specialists using the platform, it really became a lot easier. And so that's really what's put us in place. People were exposed and used to using the digital tools, and our kids were too. And I can't say enough how, how resilient our kids are to get in there and to keep trying and trying and trying.
0: Well, how important has it been to have some content work done so that not every teacher is doing all of their lesson development and design on their own? If, if, I, if I recall, there are content groups that get together and actually create some of at least the, the structures for the online learning so not everybody's doing their own work.
1: Right. In elementary, we have instructional coaches. We got some great district instructional coaches, but we have school level coaches now. And they've gotten together and really have looked at power standards, essential questions, and built lessons around those things to be able to put in the Canvas course. Because, you know, when when you, school just kind of stops, you have to really think about what's left to teach and what else do we need to review or enhance to get the kids ready for their next school year. And so they really came together. I think we had like a two-day where, okay, this is what we need. And those coaches, they just started pumping out the content and what's great. It's, it's an effort. I I know Lacey and Jasmine keep saying next team, next team. It's an effort from all of us, all of us. And so the instructional coaches got that content to our instructional technology coaches. They built it in canvas, they review it and they push it out and then they just maintain it. And so uh, we're working probably at about two weeks ahead Um, right now. So we have content that we're able to push out two weeks for teachers to view and EL teachers to be able to add resources, ESS to be able to look at it as well. But really the timeline started about three years ago just with weather days. And we just prep that, you know, we're not just going to give choice boards and things like that. Those are activities for our kids to do. But when extended time comes, you really need that content focus. And I think that's what Lacey hit on, that, you know, we're used to teaching face-to-face and then putting them on the platform. Well, in this scenario, we have to find ways to teach that content to the kids.
0: I think you just made an important point. You all got past the point of just thinking about we're going to have online activities to you're going to have online instruction so that kids can continue to learn and you can still have those interactions with students.
1: Correct. And I think it's really what colleges do now that a lot of colleges are online learning. So I'm excited for our kids to not have culture shock. I know there was a story that from, from one of our administrators that said, you know, my daughter was one of the top in her class and got to college and couldn't do a online platform. And we took that as a challenge for us. So really trying to get that going for our students.
0: So as, as teachers, how important has it been for you to know that you've got system and school level backup for what you're trying to do as a classroom teacher with your students so that you're not out there on your own trying to create all the content and discover all the tools and you're just not out there by yourself, you've got a, you do have a team of people around you. Lacey?
2: Yes. In the secondary level, I have my PLCs who I, you know, in a normal school day I plan with. We work together really well. We just had a zoom meeting this morning about not next week, but the week afters uh, lesson. And, you know, we're all good at different things. We, I, I like to do, you know, read, Explore different activities and different tools. somebody else is, likes to video their lectures and somebody else likes to put together the canvas pages. so we all kind of bring that together and work together to design lessons and we' and we're really good about saying you know I think that's too much uh, and I don't, I'm not sure that'll fit my kids and if it doesn't then you know we're happy to change or individually change, whichever works so we we do have a team and it really is a team. We work together pretty well.
0: Jasmine?
3: It has been very beneficial for us to have those district coaches and those school coaches creating or designing the work for the students. And then, of course, having the support teachers in in my classroom that helped me differentiate the work for the students because, I mean, the work's created, but not every student's going to be able to To take it and complete it so it has been challenging but helpful to have them be able to text back the kids do meetings with them and explain the assignment and change it so that it fits their needs
0: nick you you talked through a number of things that happened on your process to get where you are right now so if you were advising a district that's not where you all are right now and most aren't what do you think are the most critical like foundational steps they need to think about so that they're ready to move forward when school reopens
1: Right. I think one thing is um, you have to commit. You have to commit basically with your philosophy of doing things. But also, you know, financially, you, you have to commit to the process because in the end, what we've learned financially is that it was a big commitment, but it saved us so much money over the years. Next is the support. Without the support, it falls apart. Teachers have so many things they do in the classrooms. We're not just teaching our kids anymore. We're we're raising a lot of these kids. So having the support ability to to do transitions, to show things, to troubleshoot for teachers and and really the, the training and embracing that is another foundational thing. And then, you know, integrating the content. Again, it's digital tools are just tools, but, you know, getting the philosophy of believing that these are enhancing our kids. And also student voice. I think you, you have to hear from your students. What do they want? You don't want to just buy stuff. You want to, you want to know what they want and, and what they're able to produce because you know you want your kids. It's great for teachers to use tools and stuff like that, but you want your students to be able to use tools as producers. Any advice to give is, is really make the commitment and, and do it to the best that you can. Don't just say, oh, we're going to spend some money on some distant learning. It's It doesn't really work that way. And, you know, I hope, you know, what we're hearing from, from our teacher, that it was everybody embracing that. And it was hard at first, but it, it gets better and we get better at it and we learn from our mistakes.
0: I remember there being a lot of discussion about, like, how do we build this out as you all were were working on that? Because it doesn't do any good to give devices to every kid third through 12th grade, and then there's nothing for them to do on those devices. It doesn't do any good to have a learning management system and put content online, and then the kids have no devices to do the work. It doesn't do any good to have those things if teachers don't understand how to actually create good content that can be accessed Well, on digital platforms, it doesn't do any good if the students don't know how to use the platforms that you've got. So what you all have described, um, you do have to start somewhere, but you have to realize that each step is going to immediately drive you to do the next step. Otherwise, it starts to fall apart. So you all have done a a great job of actually making this uh, building this system and then being prepared to, to put it out there, uh, as you've done during this uh, pandemic. Any other thoughts on the process that somebody needs to think about?
1: Always try to do what's what's best for the students. I think that's super important. Craig, you've said in the same trainings and speak speeches that we've heard that you know there's two things that you can control, and that's uh, the engage and we, I call it the engaging work that you can design for your students, whether it's face to face or digitally. And we use that in our vision. And you can control the uh, relationships you have with your students. And I think Lacey and Jasmine have both said that, you know, one of the best things they were able to do and what students want is they want to be seen, they want to be heard, they want to be with each other, be with the teachers and interact. So we can control those things. And whether it's face-to-face or through a digital platform, we're pushing ahead to have that blended environment to be able to do that.
0: All right. If you all have had a moment in the midst of all this to even think about, like, what's going to happen next when when school does open up in the fall, And you've had this experience now with ongoing distance learning. What has it made you think about what you might change with instruction next year or or whatever you might do in your classrooms next year with students or or any aspect of instruction? Lacey?
2: I I think the biggest thing for me is I have really had to take time and put myself in their shoes. Not that I don't do that normally, but every time I'm designing something, I think about what they might have going on. Or how they might see this. And it just makes me have a different perspective from here on out. I also will value getting to just talk to them. (laughs) Just to get to talk to my students. But I also think that everybody might be from here on thinking about, okay, what are the tools that kids need to know or to learn in case this happens again?
0: Okay. Jasmine?
3: I think the same as uh, Lacey, we um, definitely, I'm thinking about next year, getting my kids exposed to all those digital tools before the weather starts changing as early as possible. Designing the the classroom activities, the classroom lessons with all that in mind, okay, how if we were not sitting here in the classroom, looking at each other, me modeling, how would I get my point across for this standard or for this lesson or even for your mindset, for me helping the student feel successful, what do I need to do? So it it definitely changes the perspective of lesson prepping and getting the kids prepare for anything like this.
2: Also, I just thought of something else. Nick touched on kids. I, I teach secondary, so they are not far off from going into into college or into a workplace. So I've thought about those tools that they need for that. Just communicating, you know, communicating through email, uh, reaching out when you're not sure of anything. I know that for me, I just finished a master's program and it was online and you had to take this course to even see if you were a good candidate for online learning. My kids are about to be thrown into that. And so for me, I want to think about, okay, what do we need to include into our daily discussion just on those not even using online tools, but like I said, communicating with your boss or your teacher, not being afraid to reach out if you don't understand something, things like that.
0: Well, there's a component of what you all do with students that has to do with digital citizenship as well. It's all part of the, the culture that you've created in Dalton around digital interaction and It includes verifying sources and understanding what you're looking at when you do a research uh, project. All of those things have really been part of the experience that you have for students. Uh, Jasmine, so you're you're a fifth grade teacher, so school's over for the year as far as getting together, and those students are moving on to another school. Have you thought about, or have your kids been asking you about how are they going to kind of have some closure on this year and say goodbye to miss Hernandez and what's gonna happen when they go on
3: yes we have the the students are constantly asking hey how are we how are we gonna do our graduation um I have already heard from parents they're planning on, uh, renting a place and all of us getting together to just, like you said, say, say goodbye to each other because they are going to middle school and we will not be able to see them. Uh, we're definitely thinking about doing a graduation. They're, those kids are not going to middle school without a graduation. When? We don't know yet, but we are thinking about that. We're thinking about just spending some time together and hugging each other after all this is gone, is over. How
0: about at the high school level with some of the seniors there? Lacey, do you know what the school is planning to do for graduation or recognition?
2: I know for sure we will have a graduation. The, the question is just when. Um, you know, our seniors, uh, this is an exciting time usually at the high school level. Uh, they are being celebrated in so many different ways because of the awesome work they've done. And I don't think our community or our teachers will lose that. I think that everybody recognizes that they need to be celebrated, whether it's athletics or arts or theater or academics, that their work still needs to be celebrated sometime, even if it happens in late summer or whenever. I think we will definitely have graduation, just not sure when.
0: Well, I appreciate you all joining me today to talk about your experience and uh, appreciate so much the work that you're doing on behalf of your students and the effort you're putting in to stay connected to them and keep those relationships going and keeping instruction going. Um, I know they're going to benefit from this. We're all going to remember this for years and years and years to come. And the experiences that you're providing your students are going to be a big part of what they're going to remember is uh, helping them get through this. So thank you for the work that you do. And and, uh, we appreciate it. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. Thank
2: you.